Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Called the Babylon Bee, and it, it says this. In Goshen, Indiana, a message on tithes and offerings at Maple Street Methodist Church received a surprisingly warm welcome Sunday as congregants responded by giving a full 10% of their attention to the well-prepared sermon. I'm impressed by their generosity, the pastor said. We have to start somewhere just paying a small amount of attention to a word here, a word there. Heck, sometimes I'm happy if the congregants even show up for the service. An encouraging Monday morning staff meeting revealed the remarkable return, giving hope to the financially struggling body of Christ. Quote, I usually focus and really absorb about 12 to 13 percent of the sermon, so I'm doing more than my part, longtime church member said. Once in a while, I'll listen to the entire thing as like a special or a one-time love offering of my attention and time. Member David admitted to giving only 1% of his attention, blaming the pastor for scheduling the message in the prime football season. You know, I have to prioritize, you know, he explained. When we talk about giving in the church, sometimes there's some sensitivity around it. People don't necessarily want to hear about giving, particularly at Christmas time in the church, because they're giving their money already to so many different things. And when we talk about tithing, usually it's considered a routine activity pass the plates put some money in count the money next week pass the plates put some money in count the money again etc etc and for those of you who studied and followed what we talked about the tithe is 10 percent. so as long as we check the box on the 10 percent, we're good but some of us don't have to give 10 percent. we only have five percent or one percent or some of us gives 12 percent. whatever percent we check the box and we move on it's an activity and this little message here gives a great sense on, on where we couch that activity. Do you see, do you give 10% of your attention to God? Do you give 10% of your time to God? Do you give 1% of your attention to God? Maybe in church, and we do everything we can to try to get you excited here and try to get you interested in the Word of God, but I ask the question, how much attention do you give to God this morning, especially if you find out we're going to be talking about giving? You know, let's make it really clear. In terms of salvation, God cares way much more about your attention than he does your giving. He cares about how much you're attentive to the things of the Spirit, to the gospel message, and to that in your life than he does about your giving. So why do we talk about giving? Why do we care so much about giving? And, and I want to be really clear. When I say giving, what are we talking about giving? There's a lot of things we could give. Well, I'm talking about this. That's the cheddar. We talked about this before, cheddar. That's a, a slang term for money. It also happens to be the name of the king in the Bible. We talked about a few weeks ago, King Chedorlaomer. That was the first time giving money to a king was highlighted as honor to God. And we talked about what's entitled to those who tithe and what's entitled to those who give. We've talked about that in great length in that message. He saw the wagons coming. Cheddar. You know, I find it interesting. You know, we often call money in slang, we can call it dough. Bring, you know, make the dough, right, I think. And I was uh, talking to somebody, I think we, we call it the bread, right? We got to bring home the bread. Uh, we also call it, um, uh, let's see, cake. Got to make that cake. I, I chose cheddar. All those other things have gluten in it, and I have to stay far away. So cheddar is where we're going to go. And 
Let's talk about money for a second. Is money a problem? Is money something we need to be scared of? Is money something we should even talk about? Is money important to God? Is it even mentioned in the Bible? First of all, money is not a problem. Money is a tool. Money is a blessing from God. Money is something that is mentioned often in the Bible and is something we should have conversations about. The problem isn't money. The problem is the love of money. The love of money, the Bible says, is actually a sin. You know, you can love money and not even have it. You can have all sorts of plans for money that you don't have. You can actually even, you can spend money that you don't have. That's possible today. That's part of the problem, the love of money. It's interesting about money and about the love of money. And the Bible talks about it a lot. It talks about it, actually, in the Bible, it talks about money more than any other topical subject. Any other one. Sin. Pick them. It talks about the love of money. It talks about giving. It talks about money. 2,350-odd times in the Bible talks about why. Why does it do this? Well, I didn't really know until I became a pastor, and then I realized it was, it was front and center of loud and clear. I have seen people from all walks of life, from all demographics, young and old, people with money and people without, people struggling with health issues and people who are very healthy. I've seen all of them different shapes and colors, different sizes and beliefs, I've seen them come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've seen them come to this altar, sometimes crying, sometimes stoic, and I've seen them confess their sin, hand it over to God, give it up, and live a life for Jesus Christ. I've seen it. All sorts of people. And you know what's interesting, though? Some of those people who I've seen give up sin so freely, give it back to God and offer it, those people aren't so generous with giving up their money. They'll give the sin up, but they'll hold on to the money. They'll know they're in bondage to the sin, but they don't realize they may be in bondage to the money. And so Jesus talks about it over and over and over again. And I need to be careful, right? Because some people come into church and say, well, that's what churches are all about. They just want to collect money. They need money. They want money. They collect money. That is not the purpose of the church, and that's not what I'm here to do. In fact, because of many of you and your generous giving, this church's budget is met. God has blessed us through your overgiving in the roof, in helping people in this community, in helping people in this church, in doing things that I can't possibly comprehend on a spreadsheet. So this is not a message about me asking for money because the church needs money. But this is a message about money because God talks about it over and over and over again. And as I mentioned last time and as Chris, as Chris mentioned it, God blesses us. We are managers of that money. And what we do with it does dictate some of the blessing that is entitled to us. And we talked about tithing. We talked about how important that is. But today, I want to expand more on the system of God. Amen? So we're going to talk more about it. Let's open the Bible and let's look at this scripture here. So you excel in so many ways. So what I hear often when I hear about giving, and I talk to people, especially people in church who've given a lot, I hear, well, wait a minute, do I really need to give money? I've given in so many other ways. I can give, I can come to church, and I can give my time. I can give in my skills. There are lots of ways I can give. And, and I would say it usually looks like this. You can give your faith. You can give your talents. You can give your knowledge. You can give your passion, your enthusiasm. This is something I love to give. You can give your love. All of these things we would esteem as very high on God's list. 
we would say, yes, this is what God wants us to do. This is what God wants us to give. And in terms of the salvation message, in terms of the gospel in your life, exactly right. That's what God wants you to give and to excel in so many ways. And frankly, this church excels in so many ways. But this is not my words. This is not my recap. This is the beginning of a verse in the Bible. The verse is 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, you'll see the second part of this verse, which I'll show you right now. It looks like this. I want you to excel also in gracious act of giving, of giving. Now, what's really clear about this is he's not just talking about giving of your time, of your talents, of your energy, he, all those things he just talked about. He's talking about giving of your money. He is literally putting, Paul is literally putting the giving of your money as high of a spiritual value as your faith, your knowledge, your spiritual gift. He's putting it at the same level as giving your love. Just let that settle for a second. God is making the art of giving a sacred act. The next verse says this is not a command. He's not commanding us to give. He is suggesting that we evaluate our eagerness to give in the same way. We evaluate our faithfulness, our knowledge, our love, and we want those things to grow. Do we want our giving to grow? God is asking us this question in 2 Corinthians verse 8. He's literally comparing our giving to other spiritual gifts. The way I like to think about it is this. I show this picture many times because I, I, I want you guys to visualize what the heavenlies look like. Now, is this exactly what heaven looks like? No, but this is the way God asked us to design the temple here on earth. So this is, you know, the incense and, 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 the, and the musical instruments and the oil and the candles and the presence of God was behind those curtains. In this way, this is where God was, his presence, and people would come and visit him, the high priest, and we've talked about this a lot. I want you to think about something very specific today. I'm going to call it the sacred summit, the sacred summit. Well, sacred, you know what the word sacred means, right? It means holy, set apart. It means something that we consider um, righteous, and we consider that God has anointed and touched in a certain way. We treat it differently if it's sacred. A summit, what is that word? Well, it's kind of a fancy word for meeting, but it's a special kind of meeting. It's not a meeting where um, we all go and, and, and we sit and we listen to someone talk like we're doing right now. No, a summit is where there's an exchange. There are people who observe, there are people who weigh in, there are people who influence, people who share their ideas. There's an exchange in addition to the meeting. That's what a sacred summit is. Do you know that Satan meets with God? That's probably a scary idea. Satan meets with God. He talks about you. Have you been a servant? Pastor Sean, have you considered my servant, Bridget? Have you considered my servant? And he, he creates a game plan about you and me, about how he's going to attack us, about what he's going to do, asking God for permission to do such. You know, the angels meet with God. The angels meet with him, and God sends them out to send his blessings all throughout the world. And he meets and talks about you and me all the time. When it comes to offering, this is so important. I want you to think about this. The Bible says that the church doesn't collect the offering. The, the, the ushers don't collect the offering. The Bible says that Jesus Christ collects the offering. And that when he collects that offering, it's a sacred service happening in heaven. There's a sacred summit taking place. A meeting of the angels and God listening, watching of the giving. He, here's what I want to say. When God meets to answer a prayer and he meets with the angels and he agrees to answer the prayer and he sends his angels off, that's a sacred moment. 
That same moment that's happening in heaven, that same moment can happen in your homes. It can happen right here in church. It can happen in your cars. It can happen in Walmart. It can happen wherever you are, in your bed at night when you're talking to your husband or your wife. What I'm trying to say is the moment that you stop what you're doing in your life, and you begin to think about someone else, and you begin to say, how can I bless, how can I give to someone else? In that moment, there is a sacred summit happening in heaven, and the angels are listening up, and God is looking, wow, what are they about to do? Are they about, are they about to send the angel before I even get a chance to do it? And we, we create our Christmas lists, and we start to say, who can we bless this year? And I was sharing this with the pastors. I'll tell you, when you create your Christmas list, don't just create this long list and put, you know, Aunt Susie, Candle, you know, Joey, a Cartoon, Johnny, Video Game. Don't do that. I do it. I've done it for however many years I've been doing, but this year is different. I'm telling you, when you give to someone, it is a sacred moment. God is equating giving as a same level as knowledge, faith, and love. When you give, pray about that. Lord, how can I bless little Johnny? I'm just going to give him this video game, but actually I know he really needs this, or he maybe needs that. Maybe I'm going to write him a little note. Maybe I'm going to do something different this year than just doing the rote thing I always do. Or how about this? Maybe you have a couple extra dollars. Maybe you have 50 bucks that you know you want to give. Instead of just maybe going and buying a gift card and, and giving that out, and that's great, that's wonderful. Maybe you pray about it. You and your wife together. You and your husband together. You and your friends together. You pray and say, Lord, who can I bless with this? And allow yourself to be part of the sacred summit of giving. Are you following? In that way, you're literally sending the angels all around. Your giving is sacred. That's why we have this Christmas tree out here. Now you can be a part of that. When you go up to that Christmas tree, pray before you pick off one of those little cards. Maybe you're looking for a specific card to get a specific thing, but pray and ask God to really direct you as you pick off a card and go to the store and purchase a gift. Amen? There's lots of ways to give at Christmas. And I tell you, it's, it, this is interesting. This is part of the system of God. This is not something that we just made up or the church is trying to put together. This is something really important. The Bible talks about finances over and over and over again, 2,350 times. And when it talks about it, it also talks about debt and not going into debt and being careful about debt, particularly consumer debt and personal debt, and being very careful about that and interest and all of those things. What if I told you that God can be indebted to you? Well, you'd say, that can't be in Scripture. God says so much about that. How could I possibly lend anything to God that he would owe me anything? God doesn't owe me anything. Huh. Take a look at this Scripture. Proverbs 19, verse 17. The act of giving to the poor is a business arrangement. It literally says that when you give to the poor, when you give to those without, it says, if you help the poor, you are, what does that word say? Lending to the Lord. I checked it up. This is the New Living Translation, the NIV, the New King James. I looked up the King James, and then I, I went to the original Hebrew and Proverbs, and it actually says to lend. What? We lend money to God? That's what this says. Who's the poor? For, for the sake of this sermon, let's just describe the poor something really simple. As those who have less than you do. In that case, there's a lot of people who are poor. In fact, you are poor to a lot of other people. So it includes all of us right now. And if you give to the poor, you are lending to God. And here's, guess what the second part of the verse says? Check this out. And he will repay you. God is not 
And he should lie. God fulfills his promises. God is yea and amen. He is the promise keeper. When we give, he gives unto us. It's part of the process, the system of God. When we honor by giving, we honor both the creation, the people, and the creator, God in heaven. He accepts our help when we help the poor as if we were offering it to God himself. You know the scriptures. Mark chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, what does it say? It says, when you lend them food, it says you lend it to me. When you give them a drink of water, it says if you give them a drink of water. When you visit them in the prisons, it's as if you're visiting me. If you give them a jacket, it's as if you're warming me. When we help those, God freely accepts it, and he's indebted to us. He's a generous God who's indebted to us. Let's keep looking. You can open your Bibles. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at the next verse. As you're spinning through your Bibles, if you want to do that, I want to talk about how generous God is, because the next verse says, God is a generous God. How generous is he? How generous is God? Have you thought about that for a second? What would God possibly withhold from you if he's going to repay you? Would God withhold from you his love? Would he withhold from you healing? Would he withhold from you finances? What could God possibly withhold from us? Look at this verse. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Think about this. Let this settle in for one second. The concept here is simple. If the most valuable thing in heaven was God's son, and he freely gave God's son for you and me to die on the cross here on earth, then what could he possibly withhold from us in heaven? If he did, it would make it more valuable than Jesus Christ himself. So there's nothing in heaven whereby he can withhold from us because it would diminish the value of Jesus Christ. He gave his only begotten son. This is a generous God. He withholds nothing from us. question is, have we unleashed it? Don't think for a second that giving is not sacred. The gospel, the G in gospel in my mind, it means giving. For God... So love the world that he gave his only begotten son. The gospel is based on the concept of giving Jesus Christ. If this man had to do this and God the Father knew that his son would be beaten, broken for our transgressions, then why would anyone think that God doesn't have any other plan than to bless us with every blessing he has in heaven? Amen? If you keep reading in 2 Corinthians verse 8, there's verse 9. It says, you know you have a generous God. And look what this next verse says. It says, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that by his poverty, what's this next line say? What if you said, does the Bible say it's going to make me rich? Well, look, this is not my words. This isn't even in my translation. Every version of the Bible that you have, regardless of which one you have, this in verse 9, he will make you rich. One person's excited about it. Two people's excited about it. Let's talk about what it means by rich. Well, first of all, God had all this power in heaven. And he, as a son, met, had a sacred summit with Jesus, said, I need to send you down. It's the only way. You have to, you have to, you have to sacrifice for all of their sin. You have to do it, Jesus. And he decided to take his, all of his abilities. He knows everything. He can be everywhere. He can do all things. And he comes down and he has to be a human being. He's, he's dependent now on breath. He's dependent now on food. He's dependent now on blood circulating his body. He became poor. 
In a very real sense, the Bible says that we're in debt to sin. And very much is true about Jesus Christ. He came to earth and he became indebted to sin. He had a price to pay because of sin, because of you and I. And we are poor because of our sin. We are indebted to our own sin. And yet Jesus Christ, because he became poor, made us rich. Eternally rich, absolutely. That means we have a place in heaven that God has secured for us. Spiritually rich, absolutely. It says he, he unleashed the Holy Spirit upon us. They may live inside of us that we may have spiritual gifts. Materially rich. Does he mean materially rich? How rich? You know, God gave up so much for us. What are we going to give up? What is so interesting about this subject about wealth and riches is it's so clear in the Bible. Here in chapter 8, it talks about that you will be rich. In chapter 9, it talks about how rich will you be. Let me give you an example. So I want to show you this picture here. Get this in your mind for a second. When I talk about tithing to people, when I get into conversations about giving, specifically around tithing, I feel very passionate about it because I've seen real-life examples over and over again. And I often hear, well, I can't afford to tithe. And it comes common, the pastor say, you can't afford not to tithe. You take a tithe. Take somebody who's giving or occasionally giving or, or even consistently giving, and then they stop giving or they stop consistently giving or they stop giving altogether. Here are the stories that follow. Oh, my car broke down. Oh, my job got really difficult. My boss don't like me anymore. I don't like going to work. Oh, I have bad health issues. Oh, my relationships at home are suffering. I'm having issues in my marriage. All of these things you can see in Scripture and in real life relate to the concept of not giving. You're entitled, the Bible says, to pollution. You're entitled to provision. You're entitled to blessings, generational blessings. The Bible talks about tithing, giving tithes, allows you to have generational blessings for your kids, your grandkids, and all the generations after. We talked about this, amen? Sometimes I hear this, well, I won't give because then I won't have See, if if I have and then I give it, I won't have it. And, and the scripture teaches us otherwise. It says you don't have because you don't give enough. The Bible says that he wants to put more into our hands the more that we give. All right, let me give you a, let me give you a quick story here. It's a testimony, and I want to share it. So I went on a reunion, a class reunion. You guys know what these things are, right? Yeah, I don't like going to these things. So it wasn't even my class, it was my wife's class reunion. And she went and she's, you know, mingling with all her friends and having a great time. She knows everybody there. Well, all the spouses don't know anybody. And so we're stuck over in the corner to self-mingle and figure out who's who. And, you know, it's really awkward, right? We sit down at the table, different ages, different walks of life, different religious views, different political views, different economic views. And we'll all sit down, talk, right? And so some are louder than others and some are giving their opinions about such and such and such and such. And one of the young married men there, he, he wants to start up a conversation. He goes, you know, I'm a Christian. And he says, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I, and I love the Lord. But, but now I realize that to be a Christian, I need to be obedient. So I'm actually opening the Bible, and I'm trying to do what it says. So he's got my interest. And, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with finances, and, and I'm learning everything the Bible says about debt. And so we have this conversation as a group about debt and how to pay off debt and, and the old theory about taking the debt that has the highest interest rates and paying them off and, and talk about, well, how that doesn't work anymore because psychologically you never pay it off, and then you stop paying off debt altogether, and you find yourself in more debt. 
And so what the Bible talks about is, is the snowball effect, paying off a very small debt very quickly and applying that repayment to the next small step, paying that off, the next small step, and pretty soon you're snowballing your debt till it's all paid off. And so he, he's like, oh, that's a great idea, and we're having these conversations. And then I mustered up just enough energy to say, in front of all these people who I have no idea, they don't know me, I don't know, what do you think about, like, uh, I don't know, tithing? And he said, what you, he says, well, you know, I give what I give what I can. He says, whatever I have on me, you know, I give. And I so badly wanted to say this. Is that what you wanted God to do? So God came to the earth. Hey, Jesus, whatever you got on you right now, that, that's what I'll take. Like, you know, I, I need a little bit of this or a little bit. Do you have that? No, we needed Jesus Christ to give his all, to give everything, literally to give his life so that you and me may have relationship with God. I am so thankful Jesus didn't give what he could that Jesus gave it all. You said that, but I didn't say that. They didn't even know if I was a pastor. I said nothing. I just said, okay, I didn't want to be offensive in someone else's house. So, but I want to finish telling you the story. And I don't know how we're running out of so much time. I have so much to say, but I need to at least get this out. So it goes like this: the guy and everyone else started leaving. Bridget and I had to leave. I was seeing this guy who was in a corner getting his kid ready. I went up to him and I was so bold to say, "Hey, man, I know this sounds crazy, and I know that you may be freaked out a little bit." But God wants to challenge you. And now he's looking at me, you know, eye to eye, and, and, and he stands up. I said, look, man, God wants to challenge you to giving a full tithe, the full 10%. The Bible actually says to test God in this. W would you consider that? He kind of looks at me with a blank stare. And I said, it's all good, man. See you later. I left. We went to another party. And then I finally got home and probably prepared a sermon. He, again, he had no idea who I was. He knew I was related to Bridget somehow, and I guess he would talk to his wife later on. And I'm not really on Facebook. It's really hard to figure out who I am. And so a lot of time goes by, months. I never hear from this person, this family. Bridget gets a Facebook Messenger post, says, what's your husband's phone number? She gets it, and I get a phone call one day. Frankly, it was here on a Wednesday when I was in my pastor's meeting. I said, excuse me, I walked into the pastor's room that's not finished, and I'm walking around there, and I said, hello? He says, this is Shane. Do you remember me? I said, no, I can't say to you. He says, from the, from the party where you challenged me to give money to God? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> now follow me. When I talk about tithing, financial tithing, money, I think of this, a dam. The Bible says God has blessings and cattle on a thousand hills. He'll bless those who give. And this picture here, it began to move in my mind as Shane began to talk. As Shane began to share his story, I could see the dam moving. It looked like this. It started moving. The water, he goes, Sean, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're all about. He said, but I went home, my wife and I talked about it. I said, strange guy said, we, we should tithe. What's that all about? You make money and I make money. I give what I can, you give what you can. And they, they said, but he said, God's challenging us. So they start talking and they come to an agreement that night that they're going to try this tithe thing out. The full 10%. Not what they have, what they really are going to give. The full 10%. So they give the 10% of their salaries together. Within one month, he said, my wife got a pay raise at work. Got a pay raise at work. He said, I could see the extra flow and blessing in my life. We realized we're getting paid more money, so now we need to tithe more. He said, we were able to apply that money to our debt. And he said, pretty soon that first credit card was paid off faster than we ever thought we could because of the pay raise. 
Now we've applied it to the second credit card and we're making a lot of steam. He's thinking about calling you then, but I, I waited. He said, and then we said, we're gonna make sure we give the full tithe of the new pay raise. Because, and then I went back to work. He's like, I'm struggling with my job. He's like, I'm not real sure what my boss situation is like. I've been asking for promotion forever and I wanted it. He's like, but I stayed committed to the tithe. He's like, in the next month, I got a phone call. And on this phone call, it was another employer who said, I want to offer you, Shane, a new job. And in this new job, it'll be the role you for almost double what you're getting paid. He said, I couldn't believe it. Now we've paid the second and the credit card. And he says, we're really rolling. He says, now we sit together. We go, honey, we're making a lot more money. Should we tithe on a lot more money or the old money? They go, we need to tithe on a lot more money. So now they're paying more to tithes than they are even to their debt. And he goes, what do I do about this? And here's where the story gets amazing and the floodgates completely open. They got married and they've been married recently. And he said, when we got married, we had two houses. We couldn't sell one. We got every agent we could. We couldn't sell. We're losing money. And he said, we're really worried that we may not be in a place where we could even afford to keep it and lose house. He said, when we got that pay raise, when we upgraded our tithe, when we were paying the full tithe after three months, he said, we got a full price offer on our house. Listen, the sound of blessing. We don't have because we don't give enough. And I don't care where you give it. The Bible says give it to the storehouse, which is the church. If you're a member here, you should be giving it to Kingsway. You know, you could give it to the guy on the side of the street. You can give it to uh, somebody on TV. I don't know where that money goes. You can follow it. You can track it. We tell you where every cent goes into the community, into the poor, into the missionaries. If you're from another church, you should tithe to that church. That's how it works. I don't care how you give, where you give. I care that you give. Now, look, I, I got so much more to say. That's okay. I'm going to save some for next week. I'm going to save some for next week. Church, I want you to hear this. Giving is a sacred act. It's a sacred moment between you and God. It is as sacred sitting down at your bed praying that your husband remains faithful. It's as sacred as sitting down and praying that your children would be protected. It's as, it's as sacred as coming up to the altar and accepting the elements of the body and the blood and receiving it as communion. We sometimes in church treat offering as though it's just a routine activity or something we should do in passing or worse yet, something we shouldn't even talk about in church because it's not in vogue. I refuse to do that. Not because I need the budget for Kingsway to increase, because I know the system of God and I know and care about each one of you and I want to see you blessed. I tremble in fear that you would not experience the financial blessings of God and his definition of rich in your lives. Church, I tell you, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Go home and read it, the whole chapter. Next week, Brother Fred, we're going to be preaching on chapter 9. We put them together. Chapter 8 says you will be rich, and chapter 9 says how rich will you be? Don't be surprised, it has a lot to do with you. But today, in this moment, we're going to be making Christmas gifts and Christmas lists 
and Christmas giving in all of our homes. I encourage you, treat that as a sacred moment. Pray over those names. Pray over those families. Particularly those family members you don't like so much. Pray how you can give to others and how you can participate at church and giving. I'm not concerned with the amount. Give amount that is proportionate to what you can give. But do so eagerly. Do so cheerfully. And do so knowing that you are part of a sacred summit. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.